okay, I don't have to be all things all people. I don't have to be the rainmaker for the organization anymore. I can trust someone else to do this at a level that I've been doing it. And it's absolutely possible. And I think the myth is that there is this idea of the sales gene that I'm the only one that can do it. I'm the only one that can do it this well. Well, that's a, that's a limiting belief. You think you're the only one that you can do it because you're trying to replicate yourself mm-hmm. and that's not what we need. episode of Scale Culture. Jason here with Rinskel sitting down with Jordan in your office here in Austin talking through strategies of growth, right? We call this this podcast Scale Culture because it's all about the things that are important about scaling your organization and what is the culture that is needed to really be able to take things to the next level whether you're looking to grow, whether that's rapid growth, so you're looking to double your door count in the next one to three years, whatever that is, scale is so key and so important. So those are the topics, concepts, ideas, strategies that we're constantly exploring together with our guests. And today, I want to start talking a little bit about this idea of what we like to kind of call the, uh, the curse of the sales gene, right? Thinking a lot about how the owner tends to be the main salesperson, right? You got into this business, you couldn't hire a salesperson right off the bat, and so you started to sell. And you are the person that got the company to where it's at today. As the sole proprietor, where does that all of a sudden start to enter into a place of being a curse? Why would we say this? Why is there a curse to having the sales gene? You know, it's funny. We talk about the perception of sales as a dark art a mojo-driven, inaccessible thing that's binary. You have it or you don't. You're either born to grow to six foot four and be great at athletics, and therefore you play basketball, or you didn't. And this is kind of part of where we acknowledge that there is absolutely a set of skills that are commensurate and are in line with being effective at sales. It doesn't mean that we act like it cannot be learned, but we do want to give credence to the idea that there is a temperament There is a flow, there is a way of being, of presencing yourself that is aligned with being effective at sales. So it's got its upside. It's obvious. Don't really need to elaborate or go on. We've all met somebody that has that gift of gap. What we want to talk about is the downside and the penalty. And this idea that Jeremy loves to repeat, which is that the strength of the owner is the weakness of the business. So the fact that I have that crutch, that autopilot, if you will, and my autopilot is good, means that I don't need to question it. I know what my autopilot's like. My autopilot performs at 80 miles an hour for as many hours as I want to leave it on autopilot. And because I failed to question it, it's not something that can transfer. And I end up becoming a glass ceiling for the business. I end up becoming the person that cannot and does not want to train somebody else because I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that they are not going to be as good as me. The difference between me and you in this conversation is that I experienced this, I lived this reality on my side of it, and I'm kind of, I'm trapped in it. It's me, it's my own head, my own brain. I've worked through some of these elements. You're dealing with it on the other side of the table with clients that they're attracted to what Rentscale does because sales is their jam. Yeah, They're just super into it. 
But once they get into the process, even though they kind of signed up initially as being excited about scaling themselves, it's actually some pretty challenging deep work, which is like, that's on us for client qualification, et cetera. But what's it like kind of seeing a, an owner that has this skill set, seeing their perspective change once they actually get into doing the work of it and hand, trying to hand it off? Yeah, I mean, I think there's so many elements of this that, that really come to play, but it's so amazing when owners, when we start to document the sales process, when I start to really pull it out of them and start asking them questions that they've, they've known, they've intuited, but they've never actually put on paper. They start to see their sales process um, in a way they've never seen it before, and they start to realize how they become the bottleneck to the organization. They sensed it. That's why they signed up. That's why they've made made uh, the investment this way, they trusted us. But it's incredible when I start to see the light bulbs go off, when they start to realize how much better their sales can be, when they take the best of what they have to offer and put it in a system that is replicatable, not just something that they're doing and winging because they've had the reps and they've been doing it for the last 10 years. Mm -hmm. So that to me is, is a real aha moment that I see happen where a lot of owners start to, to get out of their own way and it takes a little bit of work, right? I mean, we're not talking about just business here too. There's some, some self-work here that has to happen, right? All of a sudden you start to realize like, okay, I don't have to be all things to all people. I don't have to be the rainmaker for the organization anymore. I can trust someone else to do this at a level that I've been doing it and it's absolutely possible. And I think the myth is that there is this idea of the sales gene that I'm the only one that can do it. I'm the only one that can do it this well. Well, that's a, that's a limiting belief. You think you're the only one that you can do it because you're trying to replicate yourself mm -hmm. and that's not what we need. We don't need you, Mr. Owner, in the business. We don't need another owner. We need an effective salesperson who can take the best of what you put together, that can take your DNA, your fingerprint, the things that you're passionate about and put their spin to it and sell a product that you believe in. And that's just absolutely paramount to the process. Man, I'm, I'm fascinated here. There's so many different directions to go. What I know is that having that temperament and ability, you're absolutely right. It's true and it's not. It's true that nobody's going to do it as good as me if what I mean is exactly like me. But the question is, does it need to be that way? And the answer most commonly is no. I have my, my preferences, my desires, my biases of the way that I think should be. But when I hand it off, I have given up control. And so there's this moment of truth, this moment of honesty, which is kind of what you're getting at. It's this dis distinction between curious versus committed. Curious is I'm interested in scaling. I'm interested in cloning myself. Committed is I'm going to do the work. I'm going to lean in. I'm going to let go. I'm going to be disappointed. I'm going to slap my own hand to not interfere after I've delegated something because I need this person to learn and grow which includes allowing them to actually fail. Yes. So as some folks have come into this process, we've kind of observed this distinction where sometimes this isn't what they actually wanted. And we've got to be in that position to not have judgment about it. Because the reality is there are some folks that want to grow, but they want to grow incrementally. They don't want to grow in this way that is basically a Molotov cocktail on the edifice and infrastructure of what they've built up to this point. Right. They'd rather keep it. They'd rather keep the gains. They don't want to keep rebreaking things over and over again. So in your mind, for somebody that's kind of butting up against this decision, they're really attracted to the idea of growth and scaling. But they're, if they're being honest with themselves, they are just 
in large part leveraging an innate ability that isn't costing or asking much of them, how would you encourage them to self-assess whether or not they're actually in a place where they really do, where they're ready to let go, as it were? I think a lot of it is there's also this ready to let go nature can mean a lot of different things, right? Ready to let go doesn't necessarily always mean you're going to triple your business in the next year, right? Ready to let go might mean I'm really tired of being in the sales process and not running my organization, not driving it to these bigger places. And that's what gives me juice at the end of the day mm-hmm. is being the, the visionary. And I'm stuck answering the phone to, to prospects, you know, between eight and five, right? So that's the first thing that, that I push into more often than not is, okay, what does growth actually look like in your organization? Sometimes that means, yes, we are going to absolutely look to grow and double your door count in the next, you know, next year. But you might be looking to double your door count in the next three years, which means we're going to be growing a little bit slower, but we're getting you out of the sales process. We're getting you out of being the guy that's answering the phone and converting people. And a lot of it comes into realizing you have to trust the process. You have to trust this process that documenting your sales, what you're doing day in and day out and believing that it is truly replicatable. Someone can come in and see this process that we've put down and they're going to be able to close owners at the level that you are. It might look different, but they're going to be able to do it. But the thing that's key is making sure that you have clarity on what that actually looks like from a number standpoint. Far too often, not only do we get an owner through this process of documenting everything that's going on in the sales and we get there, we do that. That's what we would consider the, the playbook part of what we do within Rinscale. But the sales blueprint ends with talking about the numbers because it, great, I could go build you a playbook and I've documented your brain and it's on paper, fantastic. How do we know that it works? How do we know your salesperson is actually getting to the places? How are they accountable? They're not accountable at the end of the day to the playbook. They're accountable to hitting their numbers. And far too often, owners don't know their numbers. They say, I want to grow by 10 doors a month. Look, it's a seasonal business. We can't grow 10 doors by a month. That's just not realistic. Or it's going to be, you do grow by 10 doors a month and you're missing an opportunity to be growing by 20 doors a month because the busy season's coming and you're not paying attention to it. And so I find often owners don't spend enough time actually thinking about their sales numbers. They don't get into what it is because again, they've grown the business off of their charisma, off the sales gene. They've never taken the time to actually think about the activities that are needed. They've never done the blocking and tackling, right? They've never done the basics and paid attention to the basics in a way that they can hand off and hold the salesperson to. You're not losing control of your sales process when you bring on a salesperson unless or when you when you have the numbers. If you don't have the numbers, you're absolutely going to lose control. It is up to that salesperson to control their destiny. But that's why the work of knowing the number and knowing exactly what you're going after is so paramount. Hey guys, Jordan and Jeremy here. We wanted to pull you away from this episode for a second to tell you about an online training we've put together to show you exactly what the fastest growing property managers in America are doing. You're gonna learn how to attract the clients you want, protect the margins in your business, and consistently set and hit meaningful sales goals each and every quarter. Now there's a simple but powerful framework that will help you do this and I'll walk you through all four steps of the framework. We started RentScale because of the gap between how much effort and process goes into the operational side of the business compared to sales and marketing. Even though the growth function is arguably where the bulk of the value creating potential exists for each and every business owner. The answer is going pro. The answer is operationalizing sales. And I'm not gonna lie, it's really hard work. 
but the reward is worth the price. And that's the reason we've gone so far down the rabbit hole of property management sales. We've now built sales playbooks for over 70 property management companies, and the results have been extraordinary. I really wanted to break the art of scaling down into a proven, repeatable process that any business owner can implement. It's called the blueprint for doubling your door count in the next one to three years while replacing yourself and building a team you love. And it's totally free. You can find it online at doublemypm.com. That's doublemypm.com. PM being short for property management, of course. We basically spilled everything we do to help managers grow on this one training. So make sure to get to doublemypm.com today. Enjoy the rest of this episode, guys, and see you on the training. So for the person that has this ability and they hire a salesperson, their first salesperson, oftentimes there's a massive amount of weight of expectation that is being placed on this other individual. And it's not rooted in training, wonderful onboarding, thoughtful interactions, coaching, and management. It's more kind of based in an expectation of I'm good at it. And so therefore you should be as well. And this idea of viewing it as just being a binary, innate kind of skill that's learned or not learned, it impacts how we think about hiring and what are we what are we screening for. It impacts how we're thinking about the type of talent that the organization is actually able to attract. Yeah. One of the dis- distinctions that we talk about in the context of hiring is that Generally speaking, most of our clients are hiring somewhere in the middle of the market. They're not hiring a world-class salesperson because a world-class salesperson wants to make a million plus dollars working for a technology or a pharmaceutical company. You're already working in a smaller uh, pool, a smaller group of people. And these the, the temperament of what we're looking for does need management, consistency, ongoing communication, acknowledgement, recognition. Oftentimes, a lot of the skills that the individual with the sales gene is weakest at. It could be something I make up about it, but what I experience is that my temperament is not well suited to the kind of consistency that I just articulated. Absolutely. I can't tell you how true that is because so often most uh, owners are going to want to run at a pace that is kind of just a, an expectation of just get the work done. Because I did, right? I just did it, I just got the work done. And you hold your employee to the same level of expectations uh, of how you did the job. And we have to acknowledge that everything that you just mentioned that the salesperson is gonna need, you probably didn't give yourself, right? Like recognition, like training, like management, like digging into the numbers and looking at, okay guys, if our goal this quarter is we're looking to say we want to bring on 25 doors, we've broken that out month over month, looks like January, we need to be doing six doors. Okay, what are we doing? Every week having a meeting to say, how are we tracking? How close are we? Where are you stuck? What are the numbers? How many leads did you get? The, the accountability level that's needed to take a salesperson that's ready to go, that can help you hit the numbers that you want, is gonna need that type of accountability and that type of management. That is a crazy thought. I wanna park on that. What I hear you saying is that the environment or the company that you grew up in and that you built, by definition, was a horrible place to work. No training, no organization, no oversight, no mentorship. And so is it logical to say that because a flower grew in a scorched field, 
that that's something that we want to try and perpetuate or sustain? A little bit. I think that's what ends up happening. I think that's why I talk to so many owners. And again, we're talking about the sales department. The scorch field is your uh, Absolutely. Yeah. The rest of your organization might be beautiful <laughs> and it's luscious and your operations is fantastic and everything else looks really great. But sales and marketing, if you will, is a scorched field because you've been driving hard, making the one doing it, right? It's, been, it's the last piece of land hmm. to truly be cultivated. And the, often the reason it can't be cultivated is because you're in your own way. Hmm. It is the cursed. It is the cursed land. And you've grown something out of it that has gotten everything else up to the place. But to get it to where you want to go, you have to be able to relinquish and realize what got you to that point isn't going to be what's going to get you to where you want to go. And so the things of, of, of solopreneurship, right? You, you've just been doing it. You've been grinding. You've been on your own. You found your own self-motivation. Whatever it is, your why is not going to be the same why as your BDM. Mm-hmm. And that's paramount. Until you realize that, until you can tap into that, your BDM will never meet your expectations. And you're going to feel like you get bad salespeople over and over again because you're not hiring to the, to the degree of which is needed to cultivate that land. If you were hiring yourself, you'd be hiring another entrepreneur. Which is dangerous. And a true entrepreneur wouldn't want to work with you. I had a situation recently where I had to step back and realize I was asking a team member to come up with an idea, build it. This is a technical product situation. Build it and then market and sell it. And as I reflected, that's called being an entrepreneur, running your own company, you know? Yes. You have to be careful yeah. The, the excitement and the thrill that comes from the idea of ownership of a team member still has to be gated within the context of reasonable expectations and what you have led to, what you have, what you have earned the ability and the right to ask based on the investment that you have made up to that point. Yeah. And that, to me, is the opportunity for somebody in this situation to have a moment of honesty and to say, if this is what I want, what is it going to call out of me to not lean on this crutch that is my innate talent and sales ability. And if you're willing to go to that place and to have a moment of honesty, that's where we see folks leveling up and a huge amount of potential unlocking. And that's been really exciting because once that person makes that acknowledgement and then they start putting the pressure on the process and the systems and not just the people, that's where this whole 10x possibility opens up. Absolutely. And I think that's the thing is realizing that's where the pressure needs to be put is into your process and your systems. And that's what you need to apply the the intensity into, because if you get clarity there, then you're going to be able to grow at the level you want to grow. You got to come back and ask yourself, how is it that you want to be a manager, right? How do you want to manage these people? And if you're thinking, I want to hire a salesperson that I don't have to manage, then you have to really question the results that you're going to get. Because the type of salesperson that doesn't want to be managed, again, is going to end up feeling more like an entrepreneur than a salesperson that's going to come in at what we would call as a scalable top performer, right? So when we think about the, the types of salespeople, there's a lot of different types of salespeople that are out there on the market, right? you got your rainmakers who've got high leadership but are very unwilling to follow a process, right? right. And that's typically you as the owner. Right. You are the rainmaker, right? Lots of leadership, zero process. <laughs> but if you think about it as a quadrant, right, and you think about the bottom left-hand corner, you've got an account person, an account manager, who's got low leadership but doesn't follow a process. Mm. You don't want an account manager. They're going to bend over backwards for every single client and do whatever they need to do because 
they have zero process and zero leadership. They're gonna let that client walk all over them. Now, in certain places, yeah, you need an account manager, but that's not the salesperson you're looking to hire. If you look at the other side of the spectrum, on the bottom right-hand corner where you have high process but low leadership, that's an order taker. That's just literally someone that's gonna say, these are the facts, this is what we do, and they're gonna be able to convert about 2% of the market. The people that are coming in, they're ready to buy, they're just gonna say, okay, great, you took my order, done. What we're talking about when it comes to the salesperson who has a high degree of leadership, but they're willing to follow the process. Mm. And that's what we would consider a scalable top performer. That is an A player of the sales that we're looking for. And you might be thinking, who is that person? How do you find that person? That's the BDMs that we're going out and finding for our clients. That is a entirely other episode. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and we need to do that. But for those of you sales cowboys and cowgirls listening to this episode, I hope that this provided some introspection and some opportunity around the possibility of what could be if you're willing to stop leaning on that crutch. We want to celebrate and acknowledge and challenge those of you listening that identify with having this ability that there is more and that what got you here will not get you there. Until next time. Happy selling. 